when I was on staff at a, a church in Texas, we had a family that had this kid that was just nuts. I mean, when I say nuts, like, I mean, he was bouncing off the wall crazy, and he never stopped. The kid, the kid had a, an engine that never ran out of gas. Um, it was obvious that he wasn't part of the family for several reasons. One, he looked Hispanic, um, and the family was Caucasian. Two, the family was this very laid-back, easy-going, hey, kind of family. And this kid did not cut from the same cloth. And, you know, so I kind of figured that he was adopted. And then one day, um, we were at their house, and we had a big, a big baptism ceremony. They had a pool in their backyard, and they got to share how they came across their child. And I, I don't remember his name um, now. It's been quite a while. Um, but he was adopted from Russia. Now, I don't, I don't know if he was Hispanic in Russia. No, I don't know. He, was, he looked Hispanic. But he was adopted in Russia. He was in an orphanage. Um, and in this orphanage, they had hundreds of kids and very few workers, very few people who were willing to um, volunteer, uh, very few people on the payroll itself. And they could not take care of each and every child like a child should be taken care of. And if you know anything about orphanages and, and babies, especially in orphanages, um, babies will die if they don't get the emotional love and the physical touch that they need to be held and to be, to be loved in that way. And so they came to this orphanage and they saw this kid and they just fell in love with him. And, and there, were, there were tons of kids, but this kid just caught their eye and, and, and he became their favorite. Now, as a parent, you know that with your children, you, you don't have a favorite, right? You never have a favorite. Everyone's special. Everyone's got a different personality. If we're honest with ourselves, we have a favorite at different times, right? We, 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 you know, that kind of thing. It depends on the day. But we don't have a favorite. Well, this child became their favorite, not of their children but out of this orphanage. And they shared with us how children, these babies, were dying. Simply because a nurse or a volunteer would go, they would feed it, they would rock it for a few minutes, put it back down and leave it. And they rescued this one from death. An incredible story. Today we're going to talk about Adoption, adopting over an 18, two, 18 month, two year process, which is actually pretty quick for an adoption. Um, but it was heart wrenching. Uh, it was very emotionally draining for them, filling out paperwork and, and doing um, stuff. And then sometimes they get these hints like they weren't going to get him. And it was, it, was, it was tough. Today, if you have your Bibles or you grab one near you, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 12 through 17 today. Um, and Paul is going to start talking about what it means to truly be adopted. For us to be adopted by our Heavenly Father. And in verses 12 through uh, 12 and 13, 
he recapped what we talked about last week. So, Matt, uh, Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Paul says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Now, over the past, starting in the end of chapter 7 and really going through chapter 8, he's been, he's been contrasting the sin nature that we have inside of us. You know, the desire to sin, the desire to, to talk, the desire to, 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 to be greedy, whatever it may be. And he's talking about this, this sin nature that we have. But then we also have the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Who counters that, who, who suppresses that, who, if we're in line with him and seeking him, then we want to do what he wants to do and not what we want to do. And so Paul is talking here about our commitment and our responsibility and how it is to listen and serve the spirit that lives within us. How we are not obligated to our desire. We are not obligated to the lust and the selfishness that reigns within us, our thoughts. Our we are obligated to Jesus Christ alone. You've been bought. He's paid a price for you. And if, and if you want to choose who you want to be a slave to, and we talked about this too earlier in Romans, we choose to be a slave to Christ and not to ourselves the things going on. Verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. This is not the physical death, but the eternal death that we will face when we pass from this life and into the next. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Pretty exciting stuff. I don't know Let's get excited. This is good stuff here. Because if you choose a sinful nature, you're choosing death. But it's not that immediate death. And here in life, you know, you might have this downward spiral and then things feel like they're okay. But then you hit heaven. Or you hit that, hit that eternal button and it's time to go. And you try to get an appointment with God. And he's like, I don't know you. I'm sorry. But. But. Penalty for our sin, for those of us who have begun a relationship with Christ, has been paid. And here's the cool part. God says he has adopted us as his child. Verse 14. We'll start talking about this adoption. Verse 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Being led by the Spirit by the Spirit is a distinguishing sign of a true Christian, of a Christ follower. I'm not talking about a Christian who goes to church, a Christian who does their own thing on Friday, Saturday nights, or whatever. I'm talking about someone who follows God with all of their life. I'm talking about a Christ follower. It is a distinguishing characteristic of being the Spirit. It is a distinguishing characteristic of being a son of God. Now here's Here's the cool thing about this. He says, you are a son of God. And, and well, we'll get into this in a minute. You're going to love it. I'm not going to get to it. It goes deeper. 
Christ follower, being a Christ follower, it goes deeper into the understanding that we are being made more and more and more like Christ. We are being made less and less and less like our own greedy and selfish desires. It goes deep into the heart of what it means to be his child. And so here's your first point. If you have the spirit, you are his child that he loves like a favorite. Let me explain that out. This phrase, son of God, is the phrase referred to as the firstborn son. And in this culture, the firstborn son got everything. I mean, if you were the second-born daughter, man, luck of the draw did not fall to you. It was, you know, you were taken care of, but you, you didn't necessarily get this huge inheritance, that kind of thing. Paul says here, and he's talking to all Christians, men, women, girls, boys, Black, white, red, it doesn't matter. He's talking to anyone who is a follower of Christ. He says, you become God's favorite child. Now, don't take that out of context here, okay? Don't, don't be walking around going, I'm his favorite. Do that for you. You know, that's not what we're going for here. He is just saying, this is, the, this is how God looks at you. As a firstborn son. And there's a few things that we get out of this. Now, first, let's jump to verse, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, if, if you've been walking with us through this Romans thing, the first thing you might want to do is to say, oh, it's fear that he's talking about is this fear of God or it's this fear of the law. And that's, that's not what he's getting to. What he's getting to, what he's talking about is the fear that we were under in our previous state. The fear that we were under, this fear of judgment. And, and no matter, I mean, even if you didn't believe in God, you, at some point in your life, you're like, I don't know. Somebody's got to account for some of the stuff that I've done. It's this fear of judgment before we knew Jesus. You and I did not receive a spirit where we live in this fear of judgment of God. We don't live there anymore. Instead, we have received a spirit that produces a peace and a security because of the fact that we are his favorite child. Think about that. I mean, my firstborn died. Tychicus, I think I told you I wanted to name him Tychicus, Spartacus, Maximus, McReynolds. You know, he's popping out, he's like swinging people off. Leave him to go with Tychicus, but not the others. I mean, when that firstborn comes out, you're just like, oh, this is a child. And, and, and the mom has nine months to bond with this child. The dad has nine months to put his ear up against the, the, the stomach and to sit on his bed and, and kind of rock back and forth and go, am I ready? Am I ready? I don't know. Nine months. Listen, God could have made the, the, the gestation period two months, but he knew that husbands needed nine months to be prepared. I kid you not. Every time Lee said, I think I'm pregnant, 
I just kind of sat there and, and, and just rocked. You know, nine months later, I'm finally there. And then this baby pops out, and you're like, oh. and, and all these thoughts go through your head of, of, a, of a child and, and how it was formed and how incredible this is and how is this possible. And if you look at it, you go, only God can do this. And, and, and you fall in love with this child. Firstborn or not, it's always amazing. Firstborn, you don't know what's coming. The firstborn, you just look at it and go, I'm going to take care of you as best I can. I don't know what to do with you. I don't have a clue. I don't know what the manual is, but, but I'm going to take care of you. And you will not, you will not be in want. That's, that's my heart for my child. I will, I will not eat for 40 days before my child will not eat for one day. I mean, I... That's, that's kind of the way I feel. And so this Greek word here, sonship, where's it at? Verse 15. But you receive a, the spirit of sonship. This is, this is the word that is also translated as adoption. It's only used in two other places. We're going to look at it when we look at verse, uh, chapter 9. But it's the word huioestheia, or something like that. And it translates adoption as sons. It's also translated as the full rights of sons. Now remember this culture, okay? And Paul is actually taking this concept and he's saying, enough of this. Man and woman, no matter what your background is, you become his child, he adopts you. It's so important because the culture of, because of the culture of the firstborn son here. And Paul does something here that, that, that you may have missed, since we're not Jews. You may have missed this. He takes the idea of adoption, which has always been an Old Testament idea. God, I mean, one of the greatest questions that I have that I cannot answer is, God, why, why did you pick Israel? Why not Babylon? Why not uh, Tyre? Why not you know some some of these other places? Why did you pick Israel? There's no answer to it. I mean, we'll ask him when we get there. But he adopted the nation of Israel, and through the Old Testament, he's always working on the nation of Israel. He's always talking to them. They're they're falling away from him, running away from him. He's bringing them back, and he's like, talk to me, spend time with me. And they do, and they come back to God, and then the next generation runs away from him, and he brings them back. He's adopted them. And he will not let them go. And Paul transfers this Old Testament idea to the individual believer. How cool is that? Right? Because you look at the Old Testament. I mean, it's, it's thick. Right? And you see God over and over again loving these people. When, when, when I read the story, I'm like, how does that I got no patience for these people. They would have been gone. You know, off the face of the planet, you're done. That is the same love, not the zapping, but the love, the patience that he has for us. That's the same love that he has for us, that he had for Israel. This is, this is big stuff that Paul's laying down here. Now, think about something for a second. When you're adopted, 
Think about the things that change. When you're adopted, you're taken out of your culture and put into another culture. And I'm not talking about international adoption. Even if you live in the same city, you're taken out of one house and put into another. And you're and hopefully you are taken out of a situation that is not that great. Hopefully it's good. Into a situation where a family loves you and cares for you. You're taken from one culture to another. And you adopt, as the adoptee, you adopt their culture. The, the Russian kid that bounced off the walls. He didn't know Russian. He didn't know who his parents were. But he knew who his adopted parents were. He spoke English. He went to a, a, a school in, in Texas. And, and, I mean, it was his culture now. And he adopted and took on this culture. One of the reasons that you adopt someone is to give them a better life than what they have. And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. When we decide to follow Christ, we move from our dirty and, and sinful selves to this adopted holiness. We, we move from our tainted and stained, stained lives to this pure and blameless life. We move from a culture that was self-destructive, whether we, whether we knew it or not, we move from that self-destructive culture to a culture that promotes truth and love. And I'm not talking about, oh, love, let's go flowers. I'm talking about hard love sometimes. I'm talking about truth that, that pierces the heart and doesn't make you feel comfortable. That kind of love. Truth that people will share with you that, that will not let you fall back into that self-destructive lifestyle. And so here's what, here's, this is the cool thing. The Holy, because Paul's been talking about the Holy Spirit all through chapter 8. The Holy Spirit, and this blows my mind, and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm losing it. The Holy Spirit both bestows upon you and at the same time confirms in you this adoption. Let me say it again. He the Holy Spirit, he's got these crazy roles. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. He bestows upon you and at the same time confirms in you the adoption to God. That you are his favorite child. The sonship. And then he says in verse 15. <clears throat> and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now this isn't how it's how I just read it. This is Abba, Father. Or this is Father, alright. Daddy, this is great. Daddy, I need your help. This is crying out as in someone on their knees because the spirit is so deep within you that that is how you communicate with God. Because the Spirit is moving in you to call on Him, not just in your prayers, not just before a meal, but out loud in your living room, in your bedroom. And, and, and you don't care who's in there. I, my wife and I walk in on each other all the time, crying or, or talking. Normal people would think we're weird, but we know what's going on. We're talking to God. 
It's the spirit that's in you. And what is in your heart comes out of your mouth. Which is clear about that. What you have here cannot be suppressed for too long. Whether it's greed or, or evil or whatever it is, it's going to come out here. But if you love, love God and you've got the Spirit living with you and He's raging inside of you, man, it's coming out. He's going to come out. So not only that, but the believer now realizes that they are, the, they are of the same status positionally. Get this. You and I are of the same status positionally as Jesus himself. Whoa, blasphemy, right? Heretical. No, 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 stop. That's, uh, Jesus is up here and, and we're, you know, no, no. We're the, Jesus, Jesus is our brother. Ooh, this is getting weird, isn't it? Jesus is the same as us positionally. Jesus never sinned. We know that. We're not like that. God sees us as his son, as he sees Jesus as his son. And we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father that is the same. Go ahead and stew on that for about a week, okay? It took me a while to really even want to say it. I'll be honest with you. It's just weird. But it's true. Verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I read a quote as I was walking through um, one of the commentaries. It says, the Holy Spirit is not only instrumental in making us God's children, he also makes us aware that we are God's children. Our adoption affects the deepest and innermost part of our being. We, uh, we just started this new book that Josh mentioned it called Tender Warrior, and I started reading into it. And um, this guy, I mean, I didn't know this, but this guy was a special forces operator back in Vietnam. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, awesome. I love, I mean, I ingest this stuff, right? I mean, any, anything special forces, I just, I just love it. I don't know if a deep desire in me to want to go out there and be in it, but it won't happen. Believe won't let me. Um, and so, you know, I'm reading this, and just like, whoa, this guy is just cool. But he, he's talking about, he came across death. One time it was when his buddy got killed, and he had to deliver the personal effects to his wife. And he said he felt it, but he just put it away. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, not me. And then another time they jumped out of the Huey, uh, him and another guy, they both jumped out either side, and for some reason because of the rotor wash, uh, they came underneath the, uh, the helicopter and bumped up against each other. They, they know what to do, they're trained, push off, and then he kind of got a little lower and he pulled his chute. And they, and, and they both pulled the chutes together. But he was walking on the other guy's chute. And they trained for that too. And they say, you just walk. You just run. And so he's running, 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 running. And he can't get off of this guy's chute. And he's thinking, I'm about to die. And I'm about to kill this guy with me. Because their chutes are starting to get tangled up. And finally they get just separated. Boom, hit the ground. Woo. Death staring straight in the face. Like. Not me. Just put it away. The thing that got him up is 15 years into his marriage, his wife looked at him with an anger 
that he had ever seen before. And he saw death looking at him in the face, right? He's like, whoa, I'm about to lose my marriage. And it got a hold of his heart. And it started working on him. And all of a sudden, he was shaken to the core of, of who he was and God in him. And he had his parents who raised him up um, in Scripture, and, and he knew what was right. And he felt the Holy Spirit just beating on the innermost part of his heart. Maybe that doesn't happen to you. Maybe it happens to just a few people. Maybe the Spirit just whispers. We always need to be listening. We always need to be listening. Because the Spirit testifies that we are God's children, and so we need to respond and say, Abba Father, Abba Father. Verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. See, there, there it is again. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So here's the thing. Here's what Paul says. While we are heirs of a future glory. One day we're going to pass on here. And we will be heirs of a future glory. But we've got to walk the road that Jesus walked while we're here on earth. This is hard. We've got to walk the same road. Now, that doesn't mean we go and make ourselves be crucified. But if you are truly following God and you're truly being led by the Spirit within you, here's what happens. You're going to get persecuted. This, the, 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 well, the Bible says that if you are a Christian, you will be persecuted. And here's, here's the million dollar question that, kind of like last week, where I kind of step back and say, Oh, am I really following Christ? Ask yourself, are you being persecuted? I'm not talking about today, but maybe the last year. Am I persecuted? If you're a Christian, you will be persecuted. Somebody's going to laugh at you. Somebody's going to call you names. Somebody may hit you. In other countries, people get killed and beaten. So we've got a lot to go through. Think about Christ. You wouldn't believe him. A few guys here and there, his followers. But the religious people, man, they wanted him out. It's causing a stir. They're taking away his leadership. It's, what are you doing, man? We're losing money, all this stuff. And, and so all, all of a sudden, they want him dead. The Romans try to beat him. They don't want to crucify. People say, no, you crucify him. Led by the religious elite. He dies on the cross. Verse 17. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The road of following Christ, of being a Christ follower, is not all rainbows and unicorns. It's not all meadowy fields. How's it stuff? But if you have the Spirit, notice what Paul says. If you have the Spirit living within you, you are an heir to two things. And he doesn't, this isn't um, stated, it's implied here because of the, the whole 
uh, heirs and co-heirs with Christ. You, verse, the next point, if you have the Spirit, you are His heir to the transformation into His image. You're going to look like Jesus. You are an heir to the transformation in His image. Right now, we're being transformed. When we hit heaven, boom, transform. No more dealing with the stuff in our heart and that sin nature. It's gone. I can't wait. I'm not looking forward to dying necessarily, but I can't wait. I'm pumped. Now, if you, all, if you have the Spirit, you are also an heir to an eternal kingdom. Now, this is big because the eternal kingdom starts now. It starts here. But it's fulfilled there. And, and get this. In Revelation, at the very end, there's this new heaven and new earth. And you and I get to populate that place. And we inherit it. That's cool. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm pretty excited about that too. If you are adopted... Even though you may come from different familial genes, you're the same legally here in the United States. If you are adopted, you are family. And so you inherit whatever is given to you by that family. Nobody can come up to you and say, wait a minute, they're not part of the family, the DNA doesn't match, I'm sorry. Brothers and sisters can't say that. No? Paper says you're part of the man. And we have been adopted by Christ, by Jesus, by our Heavenly Father. And we are under the same household. And we receive the same love as a firstborn child. We have been adopted. We are now in his family. He loves you like a favorite. Unbelievable. Blows my mind. I want you guys to think about this over the next week. Go back and look at these verses. Think about what it means to be adopted. Think about a child here in the United States and what, it, what they go through to be adopted. And then think about your relationship with Christ and what it means to you and how Christ, how Jesus has paid for your sins. He's filled out the paperwork. He's done everything that could possibly be done. And you have been adopted. Loved by As if you were his own. Father, I pray that you help us to dwell on this this world. I ask that you will open our hearts to see things that we haven't talked about today that you want to speak into us. Father, your spirit that lives within us, I pray that it will rage inside of us in such a way that we cannot ignore you. Speak so clearly, God, about how you love us and care for us, how we are your favorite, how you, how you have adopted us, you have an inheritance for us. Father, you take care of us. Show us, God, this week. Son who died on the cross for my sin, for our sin, who rose again, who sits at your right hand.